This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. You get $5. uh, For $5, you'll get bonus episodes and ad-free episodes. And listen, today (laughs) you're going to want to listen to what we talk about. And you're going to want to donate because of what we went through to get you these stories. And I will explain that, that soon. That so threatening. Also, I want to say, yeah. Heaven and I like hung out before this, which is a thing we don't normally do. That is true. I just want to tell everybody, we were planning on recording at 8.30. I was meeting my girlfriend I haven't seen in a year. Met her for a drink at 7. And at like 8.15, I text him and like, text me, you're coming over. I'm still out. And he's like, I'm, I'm coming already over. there. I'm like a minute away. <laughs> and I was like, do you want to come to this bar instead? Like, not kidding, but also assuming he's not going to say yes. He just, like, shows up. And it was so much fun. It was, you'd never met my friend Helen before. It was the best. And anyway. That's a nice setup to the horror I'm about to subject you to. the real world when there's no consequences (laughs) to our shit. That was such an evil laugh. Okay, go. Let's do it. All right. All right. Make me upset. What do you know about purity culture? Uh, It's damaging... Period. Very good. The guy who invented it called called it back. <laughs> That's not what it's uh, called. A Recalled guy it? famously who famously promoted it has uh, has turned his back has on said it. Said it was bad. Essentially, but that's not where I'm going with this. Well, the important thing is that girls pledge their purity to their fathers. That's, that's the weird important too. thing to yeah. know. So it's bad, it's and horrible. it teaches young women. Uh, it's it's supposed to teach everyone, but it teaches young women that sex is to be avoided at all costs before marriage. It's the patriarchy as like. A thing, like yeah. right, it's everything of that perception. Every step on the road to sex should be avoided at mm-hmm. all costs. And then here's where the problem really picks up. The thinking goes: as soon as you say "I do," then sex will be magical and wonderful and perfect. I hate and there's how much no we talk about sex on chance. Podcast. Oh, just you wait. Me. That's uh, the whole episode today. It's sex in that the Supreme Court. God damn it. Okay, so there's n- like. The idea is after you get married, everything is going to be perfect, and there's no possible way you and your husband will be sexually incompatible, because why would God do that to you? Absolutely. Okay, so it turns out there's a husband and wife couple. They have a ministry where they counsel couples on how to connect with each other. That in itself is not weird. There's a bunch of those people. Sure. In this case, the two people we're going to talk about are Dr. Glenn Hill and his wife, Phyllis Hill. I think they've been married for like 40 years, and I'm pretty sure they got married in their late teens. So Glenn we're talking about... And Phyllis is an yes, all-time 50-year married people, couple. Yeah, we're talking about two people who've been together Glenn. forever. And they were recently interviewed uh, a couple weeks ago by a pro-abstinence woman online. Uh, She hosts the Girl Defined podcast. Oh, her. Her. What did they have to say about abstinence if they got married as teenagers? Um, They're just for it. Um, But anyway, the the co-host of that Girl Defined ministry is Bethany Beal, and she interviewed this married couple that's been around forever Mm -hmm. because her whole shtick is, I want to help young single women like make the most of their marriage and their sex life and everything. Who better to talk to than Glenn and Phyllis, who have been married for 40 years and coach other couples about everything marriage and sex related. And listen, it's like a 45-minute interview. Mm. Most of it is pretty... Whatever you think this interview would be, 
is what it is. They joke. I mean, they say we didn't have sex until our wedding night. And okay. they were 13, so. <laughs> they were like 18 and 19-ish, I think. Well, and then he I'll jokes. I'll tell you what, I was a virgin at that age, so. <laughs> but like, you were not getting married at that age. Were, but let's not pretend they were, quote, unquote, waiting until they got married. They right. got married as children. Yeah. The, he jokes, he's like, you know what? The 11 seconds wasn't great. Haha. <laughs> okay, fine. You made a joke about you la- not lasting. You. I don't care. I wait, don't... wait, <sighs> shush. So it, their whole point is it took us a long time to get better at it and start enjoying it. And now their whole ministry is designed to help other Christian couples um, to prevent them from having the same bad experience and hopefully have a good experience. Okay, I get where they're coming from. It sounds like such a Fine. sex education, though. It's what I would expect. Well, the, then the question is, if what they're offering is sex education, what does it look like in the context of purity culture, right? right? And then it took a very strange turn. And I'm going to set this up for you, and then I'm going to play you a clip. Okay. And you will be horrified, and I'm going to just... Listen, everyone listening, all the trigger warnings are going off right now. Really? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to set this up. Phyllis said that after they got married, sex was painful, unsatisfying for years, which, okay, all right, wow, that's a long time. And she said that didn't change for a while. And then at some point, they were discussing the topic with another Christian couple they knew. And Phyllis said that she felt broken. And when the woman, the other woman, the other couple that they were talking to, when the woman was like, well, I work in the medical field. Mm. Like, what do you mean you feel broken? Phyllis said, and I'm quoting here, quoting here, well, I don't have a clitoris. Okay. Now, I'm going to set this up and then I will play this for you. Basically, the friend of hers is like, well, again, as someone who works in the medical field, I don't think that's true. But I want to be clear. She didn't have her clitoris removed. Because female circumcision is is for sure a thing. It is a thing. It has nothing to do with this story. This Christian woman, Phyllis, just said, I don't have one. that guys are just really bad at finding the clitoris? It's probably the answer. But she Uh, says, I don't have one. And her medical friend's like, I'm pretty sure that's not not. the case. And um, I'm... Here's the thing. I'm going to set this up before I play you this clip, which Mm -hmm. is to say this was on YouTube, their conversation for like weeks, and it just went there unnoticed for a while. And then you're going to hear how this friend helped her figure out what's going on. And I'm going to play this. How long is this? Can I just... Oh, it's a minute. Okay. And we're just going to listen to the whole thing, and then we will discuss it. As I said, trigger warnings everywhere. Uh, The people you are going to hear in this are Phyllis herself Mm -hmm. is the one talking and Glenn, her husband will chime in here and there. Like I was like, yeah, I'm broken. Like I didn't even think that that was a weird sentence, but she said, okay, what can you define broken? What, what are you saying? What does that mean? And, and then I just said, oh, well, I don't have a clitoris. Um, Cause at this Mm. point, Glenn had read enough to know that a clitoris was involved and um, yeah. didn't know where it was, but knew that that mattered and that had to do with yeah. an orgasm. And it's like, yeah, I, I've never orgasmed and there's no pleasure. I don't enjoy it. Matter of fact, I hate it. Wow. I just endure it. We just get through it as fast as possible. And, um, and so, yeah, we shared that openly and she wow. was in the medical field and uh, she was like, 
okay, well, what do you mean you don't have a clitoris? I'm going to skip ahead a bit. Skip ahead. After a a bit said, you know, I I just feel like taking Phyllis in the back room and showing her what I'm talking about. Mm. Well, Phyllis started to stand up. Mm. uh, And then this other woman said, but I just can't. I can't do that. Our oldest child had been born, uh, which is a little girl. And eventually, uh, Phyllis was changing uh, our daughter's diaper, and uh, our friend showed her uh, on um, our little girl, you know, where the clitoris is located, which was huge information Mm -hmm. uh, for Phyllis. And and again, it's stunning to me. That's pretty darn basic. Mm -hmm. And we're smart people, and we were clueless. (laughs) So that took a turn. Oh, I let me recap I, for you there. Oh, okay. So I first, her medical friend Fuck, says, "Well, why don't I just take you in the bathroom and show you where it is?" But then I guess they're both kind of purity culture, modesty, modest is hottest people, so they're like, "No, that'd be weird." So it, Phyllis does not learn about this until sometime in the future. How long? I don't know how long in the future. Months, years, who knows? But at some point, she is changing her baby girl's dirty diaper, and her friend happens to be around, and her friend says, basically, well, let me show you on your baby girl where it is. And that is how Phyllis learned about sex. Even though she had a baby, that's how she learned about pleasure? Question mark. So the thing about this job that I have is that I'm supposed to have something to say about everything. <laughs> I am shocked. I'm uh-huh. I mean, I'm okay. I'm not shocked. Don't worry. I got you covered. Yeah. I'm not shocked that a dude couldn't find the clit because I hooked up with college boys. So like, <laughs> I know what that is like. I, 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 right. It's no, not I, even I that. That's not the clear. issue here. I want to be very clear her husband is like fully gaslighting her right like uh, can you think of any other way to be like well i can't make this work and that means you don't have an app right like i, I have can't no make- idea what he said to her but i take your point but don't don't you think of like well you must well i can't find it so you must not have one is again <laughs> i want to be very clear i had a 20 year old guy explain to me that i had had an orgasm when i in fact hadn't <laughs> men are Idiots. So the problem for me is not that they were clueless, because you're right. Most people are clueless. Most people are definitely clueless the first time they do it. My issue is that these are conservative Christians with very much a sex negative mentality. Right. And they're still like the thing about that. They're not upset or ashamed of anything they just talked about. That's the thing. They're not embarrassed nearly enough. No, they're just like, isn't that a silly thing we went through? And now we're going to help you. I want to back it up a little bit because I would love to go back to what this woman said. I've never had an orgasm. I didn't enjoy sex. It was years. In fact, it was painful or something like that. Not painful. I don't think she said that, but unpleasant. Uh, Unpleasant. She said, I've never orgasmed. There was no pleasure. I don't enjoy it. Matter of fact, I hate it. So first of all, thank you. I want to be very clear that like not having an orgasm doesn't mean you didn't enjoy sex. I want to be very Mm -hmm. clear about that because a lot of people have a lot of trouble orgasming and I don't want to like, you know, do whatever. However, oh, gang, 
you should at least be enjoying sexual contact. Like I'm trying to figure out what the husband was doing well, slash kind of, thinking when she's clearly not enjoying herself. But do you think that he was raised thinking women nope. enjoy sex? Or do you think he was raised thinking women hate sex and you do it to them anyway? Yep. So. I mean, that's the thing. It's something he does. And it's not something she enjoys. We talked about that with that horrible article for the Gospel Coalition a few weeks ago sure. where the guy wrote, like, what, what is sex within the context of marriage? Like, it's the guy doing something and the woman receiving it. And, like, that's it. That's the way he wrote it, whatever well, he intended. When you don't see his partnerships as equal, yeah. you see sex as a thing being done to another person, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that is part of the story here. But then the other the part story. of it, the other part of it is they use their infant daughter as a sex diagram to show the oh, baby's grown ass mother how her anatomy works. Okay. Which is there this was a debate online over the one of the wildest things I've ever heard. Can't I don't know. I I have a niece. I have changed her diapers many times. Is that a thing people look for? Nope. And the thing and is, this is the debate online. Is this abuse or is this weird? Oh, there I are, wouldn't say it's abuse. Would you? I, you know what? I don't think it fits any clinical definition. I don't think they were trying yeah, to like, do anything weird. I just find it, it's, it's messed un- up it's and distasteful. so weird. Distasteful it's is good. It's deeply distasteful yeah. and tacky. Just to be clear, let's say this happened 40 years ago and the internet was not readily available. Mm. Think about all the ways they could have had the answer to their question and found the, I don't know, hidden treasure. Well, I don't treasure. know. They were talking to a human woman, so apparently... Who was in the medical field. They had options. But they could have checked out a book from the library. They could have found an anatomy book. They could have given that friend of theirs some pencil and paper and said, can you draw Just us a stick up. figure? And then or they could have gone to a doctor or mm. a marriage counselor. They could have rented some adult movies or, or That's, hear me out here, not they for could have figured out any part of this prior to marriage. They could have solved this at the beginning of their marriage. And had they just realized that sex could have a purpose besides procreation mm. and that pleasure could be an option. Well, I think it's so important to see like how this sort of um, reinforces itself of, you know, dudes running around in this culture saying like, oh, women don't really like sex. They just put up with it. And so they don't feel like it's their responsibility to impart pleasure on their partner. So their partner probably isn't going to be crazy about sex and so it just in reinforces this thing of like men like sex she, and women boo and like, that's the thing she did not think she thought there was something wrong with her because she wasn't getting enjoyment out of it because and he so was sad. just like well i guess that i mean he didn't say this in the podcast but or in the interview they did he didn't see anything wrong with her reasoning there right. Um, because no one in their abstinence-obsessed circles ever thought to educate them about Listen, what might make sex more pleasurable for the woman. There's a reason that my vibrators each cost more than $75. <laughs> like, this is not a yeah. simple thing to take care of. <laughs> and, like, I know conservative Christians don't care about bodily autonomy, but I've never heard this one before. But it truly blows my mind that they are both, at the same time, willing to say, like, we're never going to teach anybody about sex. And then... Freely acknowledge I didn't know where my clit was. I don't know what sex is. It doesn't feel good. Like yeah. they are so 
deeply willing to play both sides of this card. It's wild. Bethany, it, it, it's the almost inter- like the culture doesn't give a shit about women's pleasure. It's almost like that. Bethany, the interviewer for mm. all this, said nothing. Like, there was no reaction that suggested any of this she was no weird. Notes. What could no she notes. Say? Um, I didn't tell you the best part about this whole story. Oh. Uh, not that there's a best part to that story. Glenn Hill, the, the man in this whole uh, interview, yeah. do you know what his job title is? Oh, he has boy. a PhD. A PhD. In what? What is his title? Um, human reproductive systems. Clinical sexologist. Oh, boy. Hmm. You can't just put clinical in front of something and pretend it's a thing. Because clinical has a meaning. <laughs> clinical, like, means, I don't know, something. I think in... I went to... I went down the rabbit hole of where did this man get his PhD from? Oh, good. And listen, the online biographies offered up by him and offered up by other places... Like, only one of them ever mentioned where you went to college, and oh. it wasn't for this subject. And I think Nor he, was it a postgraduate degree? It was a Christian school he went to. Whatever, you can get your master's in marriage counseling or something. But then he got his, like, PhD from a now-defunct place. No! It's like, I don't know if I trust this label on you, Glenn, but okay. I'm not even questioning that. I don't care. What do you have more respect for? Somebody who goes to a phony baloney school and, quote-unquote, gets their PhD, or somebody who gets their PhD, like, granted to them by their university, oh, like and the, they use the... it anyway? <laughs> No, I mean, uh, like I don't Dr. Know Bill he... Cosby. Uh huh. I don't know what work went into it's this. So... All I know is this guy did not know about his own wife's body, but now he is apparently a self-described expert. Fully at the thing. admitting this is like the Ben Shapiro thing uh-huh. all over again. When like the wet ass pussy thing happened, my, my wife has never been wet, and everybody's like, "Buddy," <laughs> and truly, the number. Uh, and obviously, I follow these kinds of circles, but like the number of times you see people like retweeting just a random dude being like, "Well, everyone knows women don't like sex, and they just put <laughs> up with it," and it's just like, "Dog." Eight. <laughs> that's not something you should be bragging oh, about. Telling on yourself. Oh, it's so embarrassing. So, so later in the interview, Phyllis said her problem was a knack, lack of knowledge. Which, yeah, yeah, dog, yeah, that's exactly yeah, it, Phyllis. And this is the thing. Everyone, there's nothing to be ashamed of about her being ignorant Nobody's about sex. Nobody's born knowing this shit. No one knows this stuff at first. It takes a long time for a lot of people to figure out this stuff. I'm not mocking that at all. Mm-hmm. At no point in this conversation, besides the baby thing, here's the thing that bugged me, at no point in their conversation, which is supposed, again, it's supposed to be information to help young women, probably on the verge of getting married if they're not newly married, at no point did anyone suggest this couple might have been better off exploring each other's bodies before marriage, or that there was something wrong with purity culture, that pleasure for her wasn't a focus at any point during their lives, or the fact that it's beyond messed up to sexualize a child because their parents don't know what they're doing. And they offered no practical solutions for young Christians to avoid these problems. I'm not sure pointing out the clitoris is sexualizing a child. I could be wrong about that. I don't feel good about saying that that sexualizes a child. Let's say, let's set aside the abuse allegation or any of that. I don't know how you I think a lot of people were just like, that's how you figured it out? That's weird. It's fully fucked. I just don't want to tread into the, I don't, I do not. Not even going to. It's still weird. But back to the point. More importantly, sad. It's sad. And again, this is a whole ministry. Bethany's ministry, the girl defined one, is all about 
ignorant people who are not experts on these subjects trying to lead other ignorant people like down this path of like I have a mm. weird I I don't like hearing sex advice from people with a sample size of one. Of course. It's a horrible idea, but that's their whole thing because mm. it has to be because that's how their faith tells them to do it. And it's all personal anecdotes. It's always personal anecdotes. And by the way, we're going to come back to this story later in the podcast because I got another clip for you. Wait, really? Listen, all I did this week is listen to Girl Defined. Oh, boy. But like, here's here's an example of where the consequence of this woman's lack of knowledge Uh has become crystal clear. She's talking about it. It's probably something she talks about in a lot of her talks, I'm sure. But it's treated like a perfectly normal thing. And it doesn't have to be. And it shouldn't be. And if these people were better at giving advice, it wouldn't have to be for people listening to them. Uh, Can I say, oh boy, maybe this is a really dumb thing to say, but I cannot help but just think that this is such an element of the patriarchy. Is it patriarchy or is it religion? I mean, I think they're largely one and the same. I, I think that's almost a full circle, right, of patriarchy and religion. But... I think that religions that are, like, Christian-based tend to focus men writ large, right? Like, the man's the head of the household, he's finding his wife, he's doing whatever. I just think that it never occurred to so many men in the past hundred years that women could enjoy sex, do enjoy sex, and that there's ways to make them enjoy sex more. Um... And so I just, it, it's the patriarchy. It's the patriarchy saying men like sex. I don't give a shit whether women like or do not like sex. It's immaterial, right? Because that's what they mm-hmm. say. Either they lay there or, oh, she liked it. It's immaterial for them because they're not saying, oh, she likes sex and that made me, or she didn't like sex. That made me like sex less. No, no, no. That does not seem to be the conversation. It's just. I want to remind you. Who gives they, a shit who, who orgasms, the guys or the girls? They had a child when she still didn't get pleasure out no, no, of no, anything. I, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about them particularly. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the sort of Christian look at sex of like women deal with it. Women yeah. put up with it. And it's. It's so fucking tragic for everybody involved. Because guess what, dudes? If your woman is more into sex, the sex is going to be better. Like, this sort of, like, puritanical culture they're trying to imply, uh, trying to impart on everybody is just hurting every single person. As someone who spends every waking hour watching Girl Defined, it is so weird to watch her and her sister go from hey, girls, teenagers, Mm. let us teach you how to, you know, purity and abstinence and find the right dude eventually at church, whatever. They did their thing, their whole youth ministry sort of thing. To go from that to now, it hasn't been that long since they were doing that stuff, to now saying, I'm married now, and let me (laughs) tell you all about sex and how to do every aspect of it and everything. It's like, okay, I don't know you but I know you're not an expert. It's too soon. Like, and I'm guessing you don't know everything. And like, yep. there, listen, there are entire subreddits dedicated to this. Mm. But it, I'm so bothered by the idea that one person who has been married for all of like, uh, not long, a couple days? years. Uh, yeah. Longer, is offering her expertise. And who is she interviewing? A couple that 
gave themselves titles of experts and have only their own marriage and therefore only their own anecdotes to work off of. Like, that's not helping. You're making things worse. Do you think it's kind of part and parcel with Christians, or or I shouldn't say Christians, conservatives distrusting quote-unquote figures of authority? Do you think that's part of it, of like... These people say X, Y, and Z. Fuck them. We're going to do that. Because it seems to me that they fucked up the most natural human instinct of all time, which is to have sex. And they bungled everybody's brains so hard with it. They have to find a way to rationalize it and make it sound like this is a totally normal thing that happens. Which the ignorance and not enjoying it, sure, but not the... Again, the purity aspect of it. The, yeah. You have to wait till marriage to experiment at all. Like, that can be harmful. This is a perfect example of it. And look, even if you want to wait. Yeah. Like, yeah, wouldn't fine. trying to be- figure it out as a couple be the thing you do and, like, do soon? And, mm. like, as opposed to waiting four or five years sure. of... Yeah. What did they do in the first years of their marriage? The thing that I've never thought of, and oh boy, let's go on a journey. Imagine you're going to Disney World for your honeymoon. Mm -hmm. You're going to like plan your weekend, right? You're going to look up and see what's going on. Like, Of course. Do you think these 22-year-olds or 25-year-olds or 27-year-olds who have never had sexual encounters. They've never kissed until the wedding day. I mean, it. The, here's what I'm I. I'm not knocking that. No, I'm knocking the idea that that's the only way they think I, it should here's happen. Here's what I think is a very um, maybe obvious criticism of like, hey, you don't have to have sex or kiss or have any kind of physical contact before you get married. Maybe you should read a little bit about mm. how the human body works and how pregnancy works and how STDs work and how anal sex works. And, and these how, are the people like, that don't want anyone to learn any of those and that's, things that's in my school, point. not just in it's church. It's completely fine if you don't want to have sexual contact with somebody before you're married. But it is unfair to expect two deeply naive people to come together and have a successful and happy relationship and sexual relationship it's not it's not fair it's setting people up for failure Um, and this is why we have women who are like oh i hate sex i do it anyway because they don't know any other way i didn't mention this so they posted that video on youtube weeks ago but this week as people began discussing what they were doing with the baby uh they pulled the entire interview down from youtube not before i saved a copy obviously (laughs) Um, but they pulled it down because I think even they realized, oh, right, outside our bubble, all of this Cross sounds line, very yeah. disturbing. Um, but they didn't acknowledge Shit, it. Man. Of course not. So that's actually somehow not the biggest story <laughs> of this week. The biggest story Aren't we of this like week. like an hour into the show already? Yeah, but come on. How could you not spend <laughs> an hour on that thing? Last weekend, I had my in-laws over and we needed to make dinner in a crunch. Instead of ordering out, We did something even easier thanks to ButcherBox. We were able to grab just what we needed and exactly how much we needed from the freezer. After that, everything else was a breeze. You too can skip the grocery store knowing you have the food you trust and the food you chose in your freezer. I know that might sound strange coming from me since I'm vegetarian, but they have a high-quality veggie burger that I absolutely love. They have options for pescatarians too. 
And if you eat everything, that's also okay. The food from ButcherBox is high quality, grass-fed, and free-range. Have peace of mind knowing there are no antibiotics or added hormones. Sign up at ButcherBox.com friendly and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com friendly and use code FRIENDLY to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. Um, the Supreme Court heard a case this week that is... The abortion pill? This, no. Oh! It's a case that probably has the biggest church-state ramifications than any other case they're hearing this term. And honestly, I don't know how much attention it got because of all the other stuff going on, including mm-hmm. with the abortion pill stuff going on. But let's talk about CNN it because this is an important yeah, this is an important case and it's worth talking about. And here's the backstory of what's going on uh, with this case. Like as it stands, if you are a religious person who works at some public place, your boss, your employer, is supposed to reasonably accommodate whatever your religious beliefs are, as long as it doesn't create, and I'm quoting here, an undue hardship on the business. And you said this is just a general public... General public place, federal place. Like, I mean... Federal. Let's let's keep it there for now. Like, if it's a government thing, the post office is what we're going to talk about. But basically, what does that mean in practice? That means, like, if a Muslim teacher who works at a school says, I want to find a private place in the school so I can go pray Mm. during my break or something, can I use um, an unused classroom or an office or something... That's not a burden on anybody. And, of course, the school should say, yeah, we can accommodate that. Here's a key so you can get in that room so you could pray. That's something pretty much every company should do, and every employer has the right to ask for. It's a minor concession. Totally fine. Maybe someone says, I know you have Christmas and Easter off, but I'm not one of those religions, Mm -hmm. and I have a religious holiday on this day. Could I take a holiday on this day? And guess what? A lot of school districts nowadays... They might still have a winter holiday, but they have some flexible days for teachers to take off if they need to. That's worked into their contracts. That's how you reasonably accommodate someone's religious faith. Right. Now, here's where it gets weird. I mean, first of all, all of this is a way to honor Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prohibits religious discrimination. When that was passed and this case got, like, a case got brought up, the Supreme Court said, fine, yeah, courts... uh, Employers can reasonably accommodate you as long as it doesn't provide any sort of hardship. Right. The question, of course, then is, well, what qualifies as a hardship? And the Supreme Court said years ago, like decades ago, well, if it creates really any burden on the employer, uh, they don't have to accommodate you. And by the way, and church, what does burden mean? And yeah, <laughs> and church-state separation groups have long said. That's a horrible idea. That's Very a horrible decision because if you're in a religious minority, a simple request could be seen as a burden that goes too far and like now we're screwing over religious minorities. Isn't it buck so, wild that we're always and like circle back to being on the side of religion? Yeah. <laughs> so this is what they said years ago like that's a horrible standard to use right. like this undue hardship that is based on any based burden. On a company. Yeah. So 
let's go to what's happening in this case. There's a guy named Gerald Groff. He works at a post office. He worked at a post office in Pennsylvania starting in 2012. And he made a request at the time. I don't want to work on Sundays. That's the Sabbath. And at the time, it's like, that's fine because we don't deliver mail on Sundays. So who cares? That's all well and good. But in like 2013, the United States Postal Service which needed money, mm. signed a contract with Amazon, we will deliver packages for you on Sundays in some locations. Right. And that applied to this guy's post office in 2017. So now his small Pennsylvania rural post office delivers packages on Sundays. And he says, again, I don't want to work on Sundays. And at first, the post office is like, you know what? That's actually fine because... Uh, without getting too technical about this, there are enough people we hire, part-timers, so mm-hmm. to speak, who can cover your shifts. It's not a burden. It's not like a burden. We... Like, it's, they weren't even thinking law. They were just saying, like, well, we got other workers who could cover Sundays. This isn't a problem for us right you now. Co- yeah, you cover different days. We're fine. But at some point, it became harder to accommodate him because they had fewer employees. Mm-hmm. At one point, the colleague who took his Sunday shifts... Uh, she had an injury, and now, like, she's gone. So, like, who can cover Sundays? There's, mm. like, nobody left. And they're like, hey, we tried, and we can't cover you. So, like, we need you to work Sundays. And even beyond that, they the Department of Justice said his refusal to work on Sundays at some point created a tense atmosphere in the office and contributed to morale problems. Why? Because all the other few workers, there's only a handful there, They all had to always do this guy's job. One employee transferred to a new place. Another one resigned. Another one filed a grievance with the union. Ultimately, this guy, Gerald Groff, missed 24 Sunday shifts Mm. that the post office could not cover. Hmm. And at some point, he was suspended with pay. But, like, he decided, I'm just going to resign rather than have you fire me because that's going to look worse. Mm. Um, Okay, so the question then boils down to... Did the post office violate the law by not bending over backwards for this guy's faith? The post office and the U.S. government all say we made reasonable accommodations as long as we could. We did everything the law required of us. Mm. It was only when we're not even talking about a minimal burden. Like you're actually hurting the workplace at this point because no one wants to work here anymore. They're leaving. They're resigning. They're going elsewhere. Um, and we're not asking you to do more or less than your colleagues here, but basically because you're working here, everyone else has to do way more than they would if they worked somewhere else. And here's the thing. The lower courts all agreed with that assessment. They all said they tried to accommodate you Mm. and they did as long as they could. But at some point, your request for special treatment became unreasonable and the post office was not obligated to accommodate you beyond what they already did. Okay. So that's our setup. The lower court judge said we're not they don't have to accommodate you. The appellate court said, yeah, no one has to accommodate you. They did. And now it went to the Supreme Court and the fear now, and then I'll stop after this. The case was Groff versus DeJoy. Somehow DeJoy is still in charge of the post office. Hmm. But God. basically, the oral arguments were this week and the fear now is that because this case is in front of the court, 
they're not going to set a slightly higher bar for what an undue hardship is mm. or what a burden they're is. Gonna they're going to say, well, if anyone makes a religious request of any sort, then the employer must accommodate it. And then the question is, well, how far are they going to take that? What happens if there's a worker who says, well, evangelizing at work is part of my religion. Uh, treating, uh, I'm not going to use someone's pronouns. I'm not going to admit, I'm not going to properly gender a transgender colleague. What if I'm an employer and I don't want to hire gay people because it goes against my faith? At what point do you say, well, how much are we going to accommodate someone's religious beliefs to... Uh, to let them get away with it. That's the, that's had, the concern. I disagree with you so deeply at this thing. I didn't even say anything. You Well, okay. So you think that... First you said something. First of all, you think that it's a bad decision that this guy should get quote-unquote special treatment for yes. not working on some days. Yes. Okay. Can... And I know exactly what you've told me. Uh-huh. So if I'm missing information, be gentle. Sure, sure. However, if I start working somewhere that is not a nine to five. Everybody works Monday to Friday. And I say, okay, but I don't work Sundays. Mm-hmm. I don't work Tuesdays. I don't work Thursdays. I don't work Thursdays. You know what I mean? Like there. Let me revise that. A I bit. have no problem. Guy- I have no problem with somebody saying I don't work Sundays, period. End of sentence. I have no problem with that. Post sounds like the post office needs to hire more fucking people then. They don't have the money and they don't have the ability. Yeah, dog sounds like right. the government's problem. No, no, no. This is what I am saying. This is because this is what I am dealing with in my own life is everybody's crying poor, but there's money to be had. I think we should respect somebody who says, no, I don't want to work this one day a week. I have no problem with that. I have absolutely zero problem with that. Which is what the post office said when they hired him. Right. We don't so have a problem. What with has it. changed? What changes? They said, "Okay, well, now the job description for everybody has changed. We have Sundays. I don't work Sundays, right? And so they're saying, I don't work Sundays. The job he had, which is not a career employee. Hang on, uh, this is the job he had, and they said, okay, people need to take shifts. He said, I don't work Sundays, and they said, okay, we will do our best to accommodate it. And for a while, they did. His other colleagues." took more shifts on Sundays to accommodate it. I don't care. And they didn't fire him. They didn't reprimand him for any of that. But at some point, when he's now, everyone else is taking the shifts, they cannot, they don't have any other options. By the way, they didn't fire him no. at any point here. Um, but the question is, how much does the post office have to bend over backward to accommodate this one guy? And I guess I more don't importantly, what the um, what the big effects of this are, because I see this as very. And listen, I think you and I have different lives. Like I have worked a lot of shift work. Sure. Right. And I don't think you have. No. You have never. Uh, so I worked at restaurants. I, I work right now in shift work um, at the barn. My when my husband and I started dating when I was like 24 and he was in his uh, when he was 30. We both took every Thursday off because we both waited tables. And Thursdays, he had always taken it off and I started taking it off. So that was our day together. And it's not that I couldn't work those days. It's that I'm not gonna because my life is important to me. So while I think, oh, Sunday is God's day is what a dumb reason. I, mean, I, I don't know why we need to force people to work days they don't want to work. 
That's I, I truly I like and not in a I only work Tuesdays for the rest of my life of like there's one day of work I can't work. And I again, I sounds be, like you're saying they should have just fired this guy then because no, he couldn't do the job. No, it to me, it says, OK, well. I just I've built schedules before. And when you are building a schedule for, say, seven employees, you know, Hemant doesn't work on Tuesdays. Jess has her daughter on Thursday. You know what I mean? Like, people have shit in their lives that are, like, held places. We all have those things. And whether it's church or whether it's I bring my dog to the dog park every Saturday morning and that is my ritual, I get to decide that for myself. That's fine. But then at what point is the company, does the company have a right to say, okay, but we need you on this day. You can't work that day because you said that. Okay, then we have to let you go and hire someone who can actually do the job. I mean, I guess. I just don't understand why one person is responsible for, like, I I understand. Okay, here's my question. Why did people quit? Because they're working extra shifts to cover this guy. That doesn't. I want to be honest. I don't know what else he did at the workplace. That doesn't feel right to me. Because it's not like every single person has to work every single Sunday because he isn't doing it. uh, Supposedly one or two people. I just don't. There is a thing that there feels like a lot. Ross, the guy in the story, he works as a rural carrier associate. Um, And those are people like career employees don't work holidays or weekends. Uh, for the post office, he was not that. He was a rural carrier associate, which is they are supposed to be obligated to work the days that the career employees don't work uh, on holidays, on weekends and stuff. But again, so if this is a pharmacist who says, I'm not going to dispense birth control. That's not the same thing as I'm not going into work. There's a huge difference between a pharmacist saying, I don't work on Sundays and I will work, I will do 90% of my job. I will not hand out birth control pills. I, I tr- like, listen, I am a workers' right per- rights person. People are allowed to decide what they want their fucking life to Fine. look like. Fine, so if like. his job, if his, hang on, if his religious belief says, I get to preach to you every day, and there, everyone else is like, I don't want to hear this shit. Difference. No, you I know. I'm trying to make a point here. But at what point, if he says, my religion says, I have to do this, I can do this, at what point does the U.S. Postal Service, a government job, get to say, you're bad for our thing, you're harming the morale here, mm. um, we're going to fire you because I mean, we're just going to replace you with someone else because we're not putting up with this well, because think- your religious demands, whatever they are, are bad for everyone here, so we got to let you go. At what point does that line get crossed? I think there's a passivity thing. I think there is a massive difference between, hey, Hemant doesn't work on Sundays, that's just sort of the way it is, versus Hemant comes in and makes a fucking scene and preaches at people and does this, that, or the other. I think it is perfect. I mean, then change my analogy. He leaves flyers for everybody. I think it's perfectly reasonable to work for a company, a corporation, the government, and say, hey, there's one day I don't work. Honor that. I have no, Hemant, you are not going to talk me out of this one. I don't think that's what this case is about. It is 100% what this case is about. I don't work Sundays. 
Right. So, but then it sounds like but the next hey, step of that should on... be the post office says, okay, well, we have to deliver on Sundays now. And if that's your rule, that's your rule. We're not going to force you to do it. But then we should fire you and hire someone who can work Sundays. It sounds like that's the next step then. Okay, listen, if, oh God, I so deeply disagree with you and I truly so, think it's because you have So does this worked. guy get a job for life because he doesn't want to work at a time okay. that they need it? A1, we're not talking about a job for life. No, but right? that's my question. B2, when, when can the company it, say, okay, if you're not going to work Sundays, how many, how many times then have I don't said, work here. I can't record this day. I can't ever record on this day. Like, that's a thing you would respect from me because I have a whole fucking life that's outside of right. this. Just like these dudes have a whole life that's outside of their thing. Maybe maybe Sunday is their I feel like we're day. talking about two very different no, things. But, Not no. about the podcast. I mean, we're talking about a different issue. No, I know. Because I am saying that this guy is asking for Sundays off in perpetuity. Yes. And I have no problem with So what that. should happen to his employment? He is on this schedule as a person who can't work Sundays. And that's the day they actually need people. So should yeah. they just keep him on and pay him even though he can't do the job that they he's need him to do? Or can they fire him and hire someone who can do it? I mean... I don't know why they have to be forced into keeping him on the payroll. For, I mean, presumably he's showing up to work and working his 40 hours a week on his shift or whatever... They're trying to change his shift. And he's like, no, I want to keep my shift. I have no problem with this. I don't care why he wants the day off. I think that workers should be honored. Because guess what? Their fucking time is just as important as anybody else. If every Tuesday I go and visit my mom, I don't But I don't care. But I I think then the post office should say, okay, but if you can't do the job we need you to do, and we've given you warning and we've tried to accommodate you, and we can't, we tried... Then okay, but then we're gonna get rid of you because we need someone to work on this day. You can't do it, but so I fine, we can get rid of you. I think that's where we're disconnecting. Where is you're saying he won't work Sunday, therefore he should be fired? And in my head, I'm like, I'm saying okay, they gave him you... warning. They did accommodate him. Saying... Wait, wait, wait. They did accommodate his no Sunday rule as much as they could, to the point where other people are now leaving because like they that's don't want to do his job. Work works. It's terrible. Fine, but then. He's saying, okay, well, you basically forced me to resign because I wasn't doing this, and he's suing over this. Again, this is not about his job because he's not going to work for the post office again. He's old. Hang on. So, this is the question. is reasonable accommodation. That's what I have to say. If everyone, okay, hang on. So, the question now is what is going to happen with the Supreme Court? Because no one gives a shit about this guy at all. The Supreme Court is not ruling about this dude. The concern, this is from Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Um, This is Rachel Lazor, their president. Religious freedom does not mean we can shift the burden of practicing our faith onto other people. Religious freedom has never been a license to harm others in employment or any other facet of life. Mm. So their argument is at the point when his religious wishes start hurting the other employees... That's a burden too far. That's their argument. They say, Americans United, employers should be able to consider whether accommodating someone's faith, quote, would impose financial, logistical, health and safety, dignitary, or other burdens on coworkers. Here's an analogy uh, for that. What if uh, before the pandemic, someone Mm -hmm. said, like, I'm unvaccinated? And by and large, they'll say, 
well, whatever, work, make a burger, whatever, work your shift. It doesn't matter. That's fine because it's not an issue. Then the pandemic comes along and now it's like, okay, we need people to be vaccinated. And this person says, I'm not going to get vaccinated. It goes against my religious beliefs. Does the company then say, well, okay, if you're not going to get vaccinated, we can't force you to get vaccinated, but we're not going to keep you here. It's bad for everybody. Should they be allowed to fire that guy? Because Whatever, you're, at that point. I, I feel like a that's bad faith analogous. Argument. I think you're making a bad faith okay. argument. Here's another stuff. Uh, Freedom from Religion Foundation filed an amicus brief basically saying religious what employees... What brief um, Just saying we're not part of this case, but we have a take on it because this will affect us. Oh, we just want to participate. Yep. Okay. FFRF said religious employees do not have the legal right to dictate that an employer must impose disruptive conditions on coworkers. Um, by the way, who is the mailman uh, represented by First Liberty Institute, the group that's been in the news this week because the judge in Texas who said no one gets the abortion pill? Mm. Um, First Liberty Institute helped cover up the fact that he was the alleged author of an anti-trans law oh. review article. Oh, good. And uh, he the wrote that. Those and gentlemen. then he was going to become a federal judge. And he's like, oh, I shouldn't have my name on this. So First Liberty said he didn't write it. Two other lawyers with Another us wrote Jeff it. Another Jeff wrote it. So that's the people you're rooting for now. <laughs> and by the you way, I should say. You feel good about that one? You feel good yeah, about I that one? I feel great about that one. Um, FFRF also noted that like... Uh, Courts have repeatedly said in the past that requiring other employees to pick up the slack for someone who requests, this is true with the Americans uh, with Disabilities Act and the religious case, if other employees have to pick up the slack of a worker, that is not a reasonable accommodation. So FFRF is saying we just want the court to stick with that. Sorry, pick up the slack is a legal term now? That is the words. That's, that's a my legal words. Term? That's my words. That is a term from per- somebody who is never Here's another worked one. in retail or restaurants. Tell me if this analogy you, works for you. FFRF. I am calling you out as the elitist you are. Do not care anymore. FFRF suggested, what if the same situation occurred, let's say, at a hospital, rural hospital. They don't have a lot of options. They don't have a lot of staffers. But let's say they had... They have their rules where a nurse has to work overnight shifts. What if there was a hypothetical male Christian nurse who refused to work with a female nurse during an overnight shift because of the Billy Graham rule? And even if the hospital needs to they have a certain... Hang on. They have a certain number of employees. Why is that a bad analogy? It's a terrible analogy. What are you talking about? Because He has a religious reason. He says it ahead of time. Here's the thing is I don't care about his religious reason. Yeah. For me... All this is is a shift employee yeah. saying there is one day I won't work. And as a person who has worked seven days a week many times in my life, I think that is something we should all cherish and respect is, hey, I am not working this day because I am taking this day for myself. I'm taking it for God. I'm taking it for my family. I'm taking it for my community. People should be allowed Maybe to here's dictate the, difference. the ways that they yeah, work. Yeah, sure. And then other people don't have to hire you if they don't want to go along with it. The problem, right. the difference here, though, is ahead of time, everyone was on board on the same page because in the post office case, no one had to work Sundays. But then things changed. And then the question is, what do you have to do? So in the case of this hospital analogy, I do want to know if, why this doesn't work. If the hospital says you have to work like a 24, hang on, you have to work a 24-hour shift. Day. That's not what he's saying. The hypothetical here is I don't want to work with another woman by myself. How is that the same thing? How is that even kind of the same thing, Hammond? It's a religious belief. You absolutely hang on, know you're better not letting me finish. This. 
No, you I'm not. You better, better than, than this. this. The thing is, someone's yeah, saying, I'm a Christian. I do not want to work with another nurse. And if the hospital says, well, you have to because whatever, we only do have this many employees. Do you think those things are the same? Yeah, it's a religious saying, demand no, that no, no, says no, 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 I'm no, not no, going to no, work no, no. on the same. Why I'm is that a rule? Leave religion out of it. Fine. I am a nurse. I am a nurse at Hinsdale Hospital where I was born. No brag. Uh, there is a massive difference. Be, uh, I can say, hey, I don't work Sundays. I don't work Tuesday. You, as a worker, you're allowed to it doesn't set matter. parameters this is a, hang on, this, for yourself. And I'm so furious that you're not seeing I have this. no idea what the parameter is when it says, I'm not going to work. And then you're demanding no, a I'm job. I'm not going to work one day a week. You Fine, get, but that's the day we need you. So should you get the job? It, that's not what happened. That's not what okay, we're looking at. In the hype, you're not even listening. Why don't you tell me what the hypothetical is in the hospital case? I am saying that workers have rights. You're not listening and to if me. They want to say what's the situation in the hospital case? They have nurses. They're lucky they okay, have so nurses. Okay, so you're ignoring the hypothetical completely. Oh Again, yeah, a hypothetical is really dangerous for me to ignore. I'm I just going to read this, then you can complain. Here's the hypothetical: people. Given the hospital's need to provide nursing staff for uh, 24 hours a day, the hospital will have administrative difficulty in scheduling the man with only other male nurses or by adding an additional nurse to each of his shifts. These examples involve accommodations of employee behaviors that will have immense disruptive effects on the conduct of business. It is not too speculative. In fact, it is reasonable for employers to predict that accommodating these behaviors will unduly burden the conduct of business. You are smarter than this. I have no idea what I'm getting wrong in any of this. Because there is a massive... First, hang on. Let's limit no, no, this to religion. You're, you're... Limit this to religion because that's what this case is about. But if someone has is... a religious belief that prevents them I from doing the job, should religion. a job... Then you're talking about not the case we're talking I'm, about. No, no, no. I am. Okay. I am the Supreme Court case. Should a religious belief... Rights. Yeah, they do. And should they be able to say, this is the accommodation I need you to make for me when it burdens other people in the office? What rights... Who gets the burden here like can the workers can the employers say okay well at this point you're hurting our staff it's too hard to deal with you so fine we're gonna fire you is that legal or not and the worry here is if they say this post office worker who said i can't work on the day you need me if they have to accommodate him they're not gonna just say fine in this case this guy could have his job the worry is are they gonna say employers everywhere have to accommodate anyone's religious beliefs no matter how insane and where will this court go with it because if it creates problems for everyone else like at some point the answer is gonna be we need to find a way to just weed these people out entirely which is bad for religious people Hammond Hammond yes Hammond all bad arguments. Go on. A1, have you ever worked for a restaurant, a store? I have. I've that worked was hourly wage jobs. Where there were like other employees with yeah. you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of them, but I have no. worked a few of them. Okay. So I more or less worked those jobs from um, about Okay, what does that have to do with any of years. I know. When you work at a place where there's a lot of employees... Everybody has shit. Everybody right. has, I can't work on Wednesdays. That's the day I have my daughter. I can't work on yeah, Tuesdays. I know. It's you the already day said I that. have whatever. I have absolutely no problem with anybody picking any reason of I don't work this particular day. And if it is a staffing problem, 
it sounds like they need to hide. I, I, I think maybe I am just in a position right now that I, like, my job is deeply understaffed and everybody's treating me like fucking garbage. Okay, but I don't, what I don't get about your I'm story here. I'm allowed to say I don't want to yeah, work one day a week. You absolutely is, can. And I don't deserve I'm to I'm not fired arguing against that. that. But you think I could be fired for that? I think if the employer said, we will try to accommodate that, and they did, and it was a good faith attempt to do it, and I think if the result of you saying, I can't work this, hang on, if the result yeah. of you saying, I'm not working this day, is every other employee here has to do your job for you, I think at that point, it's saying, okay, you know what? We tried to accommodate it. We cannot. So we got to let you go. I don't think that's a weird thing for a boss to say at that point. I do think if you said, I do want to work here, I can cover 40 hours a week, but I can't do Sundays or whatever. And they're saying, yeah, okay, that's fine. We will do our best to accommodate that, and that's the deal. But but if at some point their situation changes and they say, okay, here's where we're at now. We can't force you to work that day, but that is what we need from our employees now. I don't think they're under any obligation to keep you on indefinitely until you feel like it. I think that... That's what this is about. No, I And it's about the religious nature of the argument, because that's what this case is about. I I know you don't care, but that's what the case is about. Well, I don't think anybody should care. I don't think the religion is the point. I think the point is, if I... and, And truly, this is what... Like, I have thoughts on all of the things you said, but really, everything I have to say comes down to the fact that me, as an employee... I have the right to say there is one day I'm not going to work. That's fine. And I think the employer at that point would say, fine, but if we, we if our situation changes and we need someone to work that day, then we're going to s- get rid of you. I mean, I, I don't know why I that's a weird thing. I think you're a person thing. who's never worked on staff before. I like, have worked on staff. You don't, no, you don't fire, I, it's just, it, to me it seems silly. You don't fire somebody because they can't work one day a week. But if that's not good what any every, of this is about. They're not firing him. No, it's not. Because all this the guy's case, asking is, I don't work Sundays. That's all he's right. asking. And why is and that not okay? And they accommodated it. And then it began becoming a burden on all the other people in the office. And at that point, they're saying, look, we gave you the time off. Now we made everyone else cover your shifts. It is too much. We got to let you go at that point. That, to me, is not weird, and that should not be illegal. It just feels like there's more. What do you want them to do with this guy? It truly feels like there's more of a story that I'm... Because it's one thing if if he's like, okay... Yeah, maybe if you let me finish the damn story, you would hear it. No, here's what I'm saying is, like, if if this guy starts working and says, oh, I work Fridays and uh, Sundays and Saturdays and Sundays, but I don't work His job, by the way, is to work holidays and weekends. Well, you didn't say that. I did. Well, you missed it because you were screaming about something else. Because I believe in workers' rights. <laughs> Which is not what this is about either. I think it is about... I, I truly... Like, listen, I get it. I, I see everything. I, it's going to take a lot... No, no. It takes a lot for me to think that workers who are making very little money... Has nothing to, to do with this. ...need to fold themselves in half to fit with their employer's schedule. I'm going to summarize versus this one more time. maybe they need to just hire another worker. Yeah, money solves everything. I know. Okay, but in I'm this case... I'm so mad at you. I don't care. We're fighting. Fine. The story in this case, his religious beliefs said, I can't do this. The employer in this case said, fine, we'll accommodate that as much as we can... And at some point, it became too much for them to accommodate. And so they wanted an out. And that's what this case boils over. And what the Supreme Court is now going to have to decide is, 
how much leeway, how much slack do these religious accommodations, should they be allowed to have that all employers would have to accommodate? And the fear is, knowing this and court, I, they're going to go way in the other direction. Well, and I understand your fear of, like, the religious accommodations and things like that, but I can't, it's hard for me to look at this story as anything else but workers' rights because, you know, I'm a socialist. And, <laughs> and that has nothing to do with the story. Ju- it's it not about so his rights. All right. I still want to go back to that hospital example because I think that's a fair analogy. I... Uh, okay, we'll have to have like a serious talk about it because I truly... I'm just going to repeat the situation again. Someone says, I want to work at a hospital. I'm a nurse. Fine. You get assigned your shifts, whatever. And then he's like, oh, I'm not going to work alone with another woman. That's a... You no, it's not a different situation. No, that's a different situation. Yeah, it's a religious a request that the hospital no, is now forced to accommodate. Heaven, do not Why? be intellectually dishonest with me Where? because you know I hate that. What's the dishonesty? There's a difference between I'm not showing up versus, yeah, I'm showing up and you have to make sure everybody around me is how I dictate. That's what the employee, the post office guy is doing. No, no. He's I'm saying, not working this I day, and you Sundays. all need to change your schedule to make sure you work that's, Sundays. That is the post office problem. But that's they the same They hired situation. a guy who doesn't work Sundays. And they because need to of figure that, that, he's dictating, out. you need to cover my employees shift. Employees deserve right. I'm going to ha- wake up my husband. I'm going to text him. I'm sorry. All right. We have to go to something else. I I'm love so that mad. every lawyer listening to this is like, you're getting 900% of this completely I truly, wrong. I, All I, of us. When, when this shit happens, it's like a coin flip of people. Don't worry. Who I'll people make are going to be on board to, with. <laughs> I'll... I'll make this up to all of you listening by giving you one more girl to find thing in a little bit. Oh Let boy. me take care of this one really quick, My which palms is are sweating. That was really stressful. Uh, Cardinal uh, Theodore McCarrick is in the news, and he should never be in the news oh, again. Oh, thank God we're talking about Catholics. Something oh, that's yeah. going to really chill me out. Just to remind you, this guy is super oh, famous, uh, but why is he famous? In 2019, Good Theodore reasons. McCarrick became the first Catholic cardinal, one of the dudes who elects the new pope, to be defrocked <laughs> for sexually abusing boys under his care. And that was a shock at the time because he was like the highest Wait, ranking. When did this, this 2019 is 19. when he lost his, like even the Pope is like, you need to get out of here. Not a, like they didn't say we're sending you to jail. They said you're no longer a cardinal. And that's like their highest form of yeah, punishment. Yeah. The highest ranking Catholic worse child not sex a predator in the uh, world. But so Theodore McCarrick famously defrocked as a Catholic leader. Mm. Um, and that was a shock. And basically the allegation was that decades ago, McCarrick would bring teenage boys with him when he traveled only to sexually abuse them on trips. He also... Like international? Uh, inter- or across state lines or Ooh, something. Boy. He also allegedly abused seminarians. There was a quote... What is a sec- seminarian, Hammond? Someone who's in seminary. Then there was a sex ring at a beach house. That's a quote. Is seminary school just becoming a priest? Yes. Okay. And then there were at least 10 allegations against him from minors. Oh, shit. All of this happened. Yep. And then, so he gets defrocked from the Catholic Church, and that's bad. Sounds deserved. Then in Massachusetts in 2021, he was charged with three counts of indecent assault and battery for sexually assaulting a 16-year-old boy during a wedding reception in the 1970s. As opposed to decent assault. Indecent assault You're not helping. You're not helping. I think I'm doing a good job. So, um... That's happened in Massachusetts. So he's already facing a trial in Massachusetts for assault and battery. 
And right, like as of February of this year, like recently, his own lawyers were like, you need to delay the trial because he's old and senile. And, and the Catholic he, Church is like, we're just going to put him in Nova Scotia. Catholic no Church, notes. Catholic <laughs> Church has wiped their hands clean of this guy. Of like, You know the Catholic Church has a reputation for not doing anything. Anything. But anything. with this guy, they're like, no, we investigated him ourselves we find the allegations not the not the wedding one not the boston one sure, sure, we sure. find these other allegations credible uh. and we're kicking this guy out of the church for life that's what the catholic church did in massachusetts they're actually going after him for criminal charges but here's why he's in the news this week okay because wisconsin's attorney general Uh-oh. josh cowell just charged mccarrick with fourth-degree sexual assault based on, a com- based on a complaint saying the church leader fondled the victim's <gasps> genitals in no. 1977. This guy's 92, by the way. Here's what's happening in Wisconsin, according to the Where complaint. Where in Wisconsin? I don't know. In Wisconsin, basically what they said is this guy engaged in repeated sexual abuse of the victim over oh. time, and... The incident in question involved the alleged fondling of the victim's genitals while staying at a guest at a Geneva Lake residence. So they were <gasps> oh my in God, Wisconsin. That's where my they there you like go. Geneva. Oh so my God. he was there at the time. I don't know what he was doing there, but apparently, according to the victim, uh, McCarrick began assaulting him when he was eleven. <gasps> um, this <gasps> kept going for several years. Um, and it's possible there's only one charge of fourth-degree assault against McCarrick because there wasn't enough evidence to charge him or anything like that. In Wisconsin, even though this happened decades ago, state law says the statute of limitations does not apply to victims who are not residents of the state. And so even though McCarrick doesn't live there, and I don't think the victim lives there, all of this occurred within state lines. Sure. So now Wisconsin is going after this guy as well, like just to be, and by the way, uh, there a fourth degree sexual assault. That's basically defined as fourth degree. Yeah, that means sexual contact without consent, not necessarily uh, something more serious. What did the degrees go to? Uh, I four is the lowest one I found. Oh, the lowest. I mean, it's the least uh, problematic, okay. but it's okay. a misdemeanor. The other three degrees are all felonies. This is a misdemeanor. Oh, okay. If he was found guilty, it could mean nine months in prison and or a fine of ten thousand mm. dollars. The, the story, though, the headline here is McCarrick, the guy so bad that the Catholic Church kicked him out and like distanced themselves from him mm-hmm. as far as they could. And the guy currently in trial in Massachusetts for sexual assault is now a wanted guy mm-hmm. in Wisconsin. He's 92. Nice work, gang. Nice. There you go. Living, laughing, Jesus. loving. Um. Boy. I do want to go to another, but I got to get to the girl to find one because why not? <laughs> okay. We talked about Bethany Beale, the one who was interviewing that couple from earlier. Did you remember podcast or at the bar? I can't remember. I don't know anymore. <laughs> but she's the one who said these horrible things, like, or just the couple. About her was, clitoris? The couple was talking about that. Oh, okay. We're and back about to this. how they found it on the baby. And then Bethany's the why interviewer. She's the interviewer who said nothing was like, didn't interject. Didn't say any of that was weird. So just nodded and smiled. One She's of the, host. the titular girl, girl defined. Girl defined. Girls and then they were talking to a couple who got who... married a couple years ago, and okay. now she's a sexpert. Sure. Anyway, sure, sure, sure. On Instagram, she does reels on Instagram, like the short videos, and she offered one that was tips for your honeymoon. Oh boy. Oh I, boy. And I just want to oh, preface no. this by reminding you all: her idea of what a honeymoon is is 
you can't have sex or anything close to it before you're married. Right. But as soon as you get married, you can do anything and everything. So and it's going to be on, good and fun yep. and feel good. And on Instagram, she offered her tips for the honeymoon. And I want your reaction to this. It's about Do a minute long. Mic? Oh, you need the headphones. Oh, oh, dear God, listen to her idea of what I you should do after do the wedding. Honeymoon after tips the wedding. for the bride. A married friend of mine actually gave me this advice as I was getting ready to go on my honeymoon. She said, okay, when you're at your wedding, just wear some cute panties, but don't wear like your really cute lingerie underwear that you want to wear like for your first night or when your dress comes off because she's like, during the whole wedding, you're gonna get sweaty, you're gonna feel gross. It's just gonna feel like icky so and gross down there. And so here's what she said to do. Have your wedding planner add about five minutes to the schedule for you to have just to yourself before you get in the getaway car. And here's what you're gonna do during that five minutes. You're gonna freshen up your deodorant, maybe freshen up your lip gloss, your makeup. Um, you're gonna add some more like, you know, perfume on, but then you are going to have your fresh pair of lingerie panties, whatever it is that you want to have on when you arrive at the hotel and you're going to paint out of your old gross wedding underwear that probably are all sweaty and you're gonna put your fresh panties on. This is exactly what I did before I got in the getaway car and I'm telling you it was so nice just to feel so fresh, to feel like, okay, I'm not like totally disgusting and I can just arrive at the hotel and feel 100% ready to go. I mean, obviously when you get to the hotel, you could like freshen up and all that, but it's kind of nice just to be able to get there and get things going. What? What? Mm-hmm. What? You know, I don't like talking to you sure, about sex. Sure, let me, let me summarize for you and make this even more awkward. Are what she you said, kidding me? Your wedding stuff is going to make you feel sweaty and gross. Very true. I agree. I did wear full spanks, so right? yeah, I got you. So there you go. And she's saying not the correct answer, which is, listen, if you're going to go to a hotel afterwards, like, take a shower. I mean, she mentioned it briefly at the very end. But, like, what should you do after your wedding? Like, sleep? Just go take a shower. Don't freaking clear. worry do about losing your virginity. You do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about losing your virginity. Her entire premise here is, well, as soon as the wedding is over, you're going to get in your car, These at which point girls. you are now given the green light to have sex. And you can just go to your hotel with your clean underwear and get it on. That's the advice she's giving people. Not, not, well, you know, now that the wedding's over and it was stressful, I'm sure, and it, you're sweating and everything, like, why don't you go take a shower at the hotel? Go to sleep. With your husband. Rest. You know, you're probably tired and not thinking about that. Nope, it's change your underwear right before you're done with your wedding so you can get it on immediately afterwards because that's what all of you want to do. I'm so upset that about advice this. advice because is girls wild. are either not educated about their bodies at all. And you mean in the abstinence only situation uh, sort of thing no, or in general? Yeah, just writ large. Mhm. Mm I I I I think what guys have to understand about like I feel like there's a conversation around like teenage boys dealing with their sexuality or whatever and there's certainly nothing like that for girls. And I just like I didn't have an orgasm until I was 20. Like I, I, Oh God, it just fucking makes me crazy that like, as if girls need to set themselves up to be a good lay for their like 23 year old virgin husbands. Mm -hmm. And also, and here's the other thing is like, as a woman, 
with a vagina, which not every woman has. I don't know. Discharge is weird. There's smells. There's moisture. There's all sorts of shit. And truly, like, it took me a long time to be like, oh, my God, is this normal? I don't think it's beneficial for a 14-year-old to, like, pull down her pants and be like, oh, there's weird discharge in my what underwear. What are we am talking I, about at this I point? I am talking about women being ashamed of discharge. This is a very real I thing. I am talking about no, 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 no. what this you is, do on your wedding night. No. And this is the same. I'm talking about discharge. I'm talking about sweat or whatever. There are women and men who think like, oh, my God, if you look at a girl's underwear and it's moist, she's dirty. She has an STD or whatever. Women have discharge. It's just a thing. And so this, in my opinion, and maybe I'm maybe I'm off on this. To me, this feels very much like women need to present themselves to their husband as immaculate and clean. We don't get to have sweat or discharge or whatever. That's what they are doing. They do not think their husband can handle, oh, I have sweat or discharge or whatever in my underwear. They think that is going to fuck their husbands up. Oh, that's so not where I thought this was going. Oh, that's exactly what it is. I fully agree with you. I'm not arguing any of that. I am stunned by the idea that the advice she is giving people is on your wedding night when you have a million other things on your mind, the most, this important tip, it was framed as a tip, is why don't you change your underwear before you leave the wedding so that you can have sex immediately? You, and, you know, maybe take you a shower at the hotel. Like, oh, my God. understand how brutal people are. I remember there was a frat house where I frequented and literally a girl left her underwear there and there was like a tiny bit of white discharge and they hung it up be like oh these are like yeast infection panties i have no idea where this conversation people i need you to understand that people shame women i know about i don't know what that has to do with the real it has to do it has everything to do with the real because this woman is saying to women out there, if your new husband sees your underwear and they're moist. No, that's not what that she's it, not talking about. I that. swear to I watch God, everything that's exactly she does. What that's is. not what she's Kevin, talking that's about. That's exactly what it is. She's talking about be ready to have sex as soon as your wedding no, is done, which is horrible, horrible advice. We're going to fight. I think it you're just matter. looking to fight at this point. I kind of am. Maybe it was the, Glass and a half of one mm-hmm. I had before this. Um, I have one more thing that yep. I think will be relevant now and not later. <laughs> so I'm going to get it out of the way here, Literally which like has to week? do. Yeah. Okay. Um, a judge in California has issued a $1.2 million fine mm. against Calvary Chapel San Jose. Why? Because during the pandemic in May of 2020, if you can Oof. brace yourself and Fresh go back there, there, Calvary Chapel basically said in May... Uh, we're going to host large indoor services and not require face masks and not force anyone to socially distance. Cool. And during live streams, the pastor, Mike McClure, said, I know, like, locally, they have rules about what they want us to do. They have local regulations. Uh-huh. But he said, quote, God doesn't want us to isolate ourselves. He's all always of us, saying that. All of us need to be in the sanctuary. I don't care what they say. I'm never again going to close the doors ever. May of 2020. So by the end of the month, they were holding two services a day on Sundays. Sorry, on Sundays with three to 500 participants, no masks, no distancing. 
Um, and he said lies like you have a 99.99% chance of not dying if you catch the virus. That's not, not true at all. At all. At all so in October of that year, the county of Santa Clara uh, basically said we're limiting. Uh, you have to wear face masks in all indoor spaces mm. with some exceptions. Um and basically, the local county fined the church like $350,000 for violating the local rules. $350,000? They, That's they not violated nothing. it a lot. Uh, and every time they, they did, it added up. Though. The church never paid, so the county filed a lawsuit. Good. Uh, church was not shut down, but the fines kept going. And eventually, the church owed like $4 million to the county. Oof. But this week, what happened is that a judge in California basically issued a final decision on this matter because they've been going through the courts this whole time mm -hmm. and basically said, look, the county's regulations, they were not anti-religious. They were legal. They were generally applicable to everybody. They right. were not going after Christians. As the exemptions to be. were sensible. And the ruling says the church unilaterally gave themselves a blanket exception for all of their activities at any time in any location. Yes. Regardless oh, of my the God. Attendees. Yes. Um, basically, there's no evidence that the local government treated secular activities that were comparable to church uh -huh. services any more favorably. And by the way, the judge said there were consequences. Unfortunately, this I'm quoting the judge. The church repeatedly refused to model, much less enforce this gesture. Instead, they repeatedly flouted their refusal to comply with public health orders and mm. urged others to do so. Who cares what the cost, unquote, including death. And basically, wow. the judge said the church has no right to complain about these costs being excessive because if you paid them early or follow the rules, you wouldn't have had to pay anything. Sure. So some of the fines were eliminated, but the church will now have to pay $1.2 million to the county Finally, the money's flowing in the right direction, Shit. thankfully. Wild. Um, it's possible they'll appeal the ruling. But honestly, all the arguments that they were using on their side were, like, so fully dismantled. I'm not really sure what basic... Like, even if you look at what Supreme Court has said mm. about churches and COVID and stuff, doesn't apply to this particular case because the rulings they had did not say, like, Grocery stores are fine, but churches are not. They were like, no, their rules were universal, cross the board. Sure. They did not discriminate against you. Wow. So these people just thought being a Christian gave them a right to break the rules and put everyone in danger. And here's the kicker here. They asked the government, the church did, they asked for remember the Paycheck Protection Program. Mm -hmm. They asked for over $340,000 and got it. Basically, that's money that was meant to pay them? employees to keep them at home. And then by May, they're like, oh, yeah, we're opening back up. Everyone come back. That's these people. So cool. Capitalism is good. I have no nice, notes. It's nice to see a church lose. Um, oh, I did have one more because this is disturbing. Can and I this won't really wait. Fast? No, you cannot. God yeah, you can it. go. Okay. Go. I'll just talk. Uh, the Arizona Supreme Court this week said that the Mormon church, disturbingly, does not have to report child sex abuse if someone admits to it within the context of a confessional. Um, basically, the story in this case is that a man named Paul Adams confessed to a Mormon bishop that he was abusing his five-year-old daughter. And instead of reporting him to the police, the bishop basically told the man's wife and did nothing else. And the reason he didn't tell anyone about any of this is because Arizona, like a lot of states, doesn't require 
religious leaders to report instances of abuse to law enforcement if they learned about it through an act of confession. So, I mean, in, if a public school teacher learns that a child's being abused at home, they have a legal obligation to tell the counselor or a social worker who can take appropriate action, but not pastors and not bishops. But because of this Mormon bishop's faith-based negligence, it turned out that the guy who confessed to abusing his daughter kept doing it. And then when he had another daughter in 2015, he molested her too. And then he videotaped it, and then he posted <gasps> it online. Videotaped? All of this. Wait, it's a horrible story. Online? All of this. No, truly, why did he post it online? Like, why? in what context? Why? Like, did he post it on OnlyFans? He posted it like, wh- wh- how? I don't know where, but for somebody. Of him know, Molesting assaulting. his own kids. And again, all of this could have been prevented if the bishop of the Mormon church had heard the, con- who heard the confession that he mm-hmm. was doing this, had told law enforcement, but the bishop didn't do any of it. And what happened this week is that the Arizona Supreme Court said, yeah, sorry, the, he was he had every right not to tell law enforcement about this because Mormon church doesn't have to report sex abuse. It's, I'm not even going to say it's the wrong decision because let's assume they were acting in good faith here. The Arizona Supreme Court was saying that's what the law says. If you don't like the law, you need to change the law. Um, I mean, that to me says Arizona lawmakers and the legislature's Republican, they need to take action to remove this clergy penitent privilege from the law because religious leaders should not have an ability to keep abuse a secret just because they learned about it during confession. Uh, It's a disturbing answer that they're saying, yeah, sorry, he didn't have to tell anybody. But the consequences are very clear and by the way, and the it Mormon was his Church own children. Yeah, the Mormon Church, of course, celebrated the ruling, but they're like, "We agree with the decision." We're so happy that guy's kids got molested. Yeah, they Thank said, "Fucking yeah. God!" In fucking Jackson County, Missouri. Here's their professional way of saying it: We are deeply saddened by the abuse these children suffered from their father. Are you? The church has no tolerance for abuse. No, are you sure? And they also said, we agree with the Arizona Supreme Court's decision to let us off the hook. I paraphrase. <gasps> I just fucking hate these people. I am, I had, you know what, I had a really rough week and I have very Glad little I patience for a lot of people and boy, oh boy. This I will give you a- happier things during the bonus episode to talk about because I actually saw some things that made me happy Wait, and I like- want to share them with you. That you didn't talk to me about when uh, we were just like uh, in public together hanging I out as friends. I never share happy news then. <laughs> so the um, uh, so we're talking about oh boy, you can find me at Hem and Met on Twitter. <laughs> you can go to Patreon.com/slash Friendly Atheist Podcast to support the show. Uh, you can also check out our Discord or our Facebook page. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at friend. Uh, nope, not friendly at these podcasts at gmail.com, but that is definitely where you can email us. You can email, or you can, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, Have just another glimpsy at whatever dot whatever who gives a shit. You can leave us a message, not message. iTunes, leave a review. All the stuff. You know all the stuff. Do um, all the stuff. You can leave us a review on iTunes. This one is five stars from Extra SC. Did I do this already? Who knows? Less lonely. Living in a bright red city can be a lonely place. Thank you for the escape you provide me. Each week. You've got a friend in me. That's sweet. Thank That's you. very sweet. I 
I have a special love in my heart for people in blue dots and red states. Yeah, right? so I think that's an yes. interesting place to live. All right. We will see you. Wait, do you want me to tell you what I'm going to talk about in the... Give me two things you're going to talk about. Um, garden. Garden. Garland. Listen, two for garland. two. Garden and garland. All right. We'll see you in the bonus. Bye.